0: Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. My twins, who are six years old, are in this fun phase uh, where they have a little bit of money from little chores they've done or birthdays uh, or from the tooth fairy, but they still don't understand exactly how money works. Um, And one of our favorite things to do is to go out to Rita's for Water Ice as a family And on more than one occasion, they have come up to me beforehand and handed me a tiny handful of change, maybe 50 or 75 cents, and said, here, Dad, I want to pay for Rita's today. Now, you know, a handful of change doesn't go too far at Rita's, especially for a family of six, Um, but they don't know that. And so I put the money in my pocket and I thanked them profusely for treating everyone. And then later on, I put the money back in their piggy banks for later until the next time. And even with all their birthday and tooth money, they could never afford just one trip to Rita's. But in offering up what they have, they reveal a different kind of blessing and abundance, Uh, an abundance of heart and spirit and generosity and love. It feeds the soul in a way that a large mango gelati never could. And I think of our readings for this morning and the pattern that both of these stories follow. First, someone offers something that seems like a meager, insufficient amount. They offer it up for others. God multiplies it and nourishes those gathered, and then there are leftovers. Uh, in the part of Second Kings, where our first reading comes from this morning, the prophet Elisha is ministering in a time of famine, a time of scarcity and yet in the midst of it, revealing God's abundance. Uh, it's a theme that goes throughout his ministry, and there are several other incidents that come up just before our reading. Uh, first, there's this beautiful story of a widow who is in debt to creditors um, and who are going to take away her sons into slavery as payment. And so she asks Elisha for help and what, she, what he could do for her. And he says, well, woman, what do you have? And she says, I have one jar of oil. He said, go and do this. Ask all of your neighbors to bring empty vessels that they have to your home, and then pour that jar of oil into each vessel. And as she did, each vessel was filled. And so instead of just one jar of oil, that one jar filled all these other vessels that she was able to sell uh, and pay her debts. There's another story where Elijah is gathered with many other prophets, and he orders a stew that, to be made for everyone, but the person who was making the stew mistakenly included poisonous ingredients, and so everybody cries out to Elisha, and he miraculously purifies the stew so it's safe for them to eat. And now in our story this morning, this short, short story, a man brings 20 loaves of barley bread and ears of grain, and Elijah tells him to set it out, But although there's clearly not enough for the hundred people or so who are gathered, but the man sets it out anyway. And just like we hear in our gospel, there is more than enough. There are even leftovers. In our gospel lesson, Jesus is on this hillside with 5,000 people and uses five loaves of bread and two fish to feed everybody who was gathered. And there are 12 baskets left over. I just love how Jesus sets up Philip for this. He says, Philip, where in the world are we going to buy bread for all of these people to eat? And Philip says, it would take six months of wages to pay for that for all of these people. And then Andrew presents this little boy who offers just what he has, and Jesus feeds them all. This story with the boy is easily one of my favorite moments in the entire Bible. You know, when he comes forward and just offers up with what he has, even though it is insufficient to the task, but... He doesn't know any better, just like my twins. Out of 5,000 people, it is this little boy who, like my twins, probably doesn't know any better, doesn't get the economics of money or food, but offers it up gladly and freely. And I wonder how many of us would do the same. You know, in the face of such long odds and overwhelming circumstances, often we can kind of clam up and hunker down it can seem so insurmountable that we don't even try, we're either embarrassed because it seems like so little in the face of such need, or in the face of scarce resources, we just want to make sure that we are taken care of. But it's not that way with God. With God we offer it up whatever it may be in the face of even the longest odds, and somehow, some way, God makes the miracle. You know, last week I traveled to Tallahassee to visit my dad, who recently had a stroke. And thank you for all the prayers and concern. Um, I felt them as I traveled down and I spent time with him. And all in all, he's doing better than I expected. And so it seems maybe a minor setback all in all, though his medical treatment moving forward is still fairly uncertain. And you could probably imagine that while I was packing up my bags to fly down last week, uh, not knowing what to expect, I just wasn't sure what I could offer, not medical advice. Uh, and I just thought well, to myself, well, if he's not doing that great, and all we do is sit and watch ESPN for four days, that will be enough. And I was fully prepared to do that. Um, ESPN is my dad's favorite station, and maybe the only station he's aware of, um, And so, uh, but it turns out he was in much better shape. He couldn't drive, so I was his chauffeur, and we got out of the house and did things, and it was a lovely visit and good to to have the time to be with him. But in those moments, you know, um, it often feels like what we have to offer is not enough, could never be enough, that it feels insufficient to the moment. Um, And being a pastor is a constant and continual reminder of this. So many questions Will this sermon work? Does this story fit? Did I say anything at all to help this couple that's preparing for marriage? What will I say to these strangers that I'm visiting in the hospital? Is this the direction that God is calling this community of faith? Don't be fooled in thinking that pastors have this faith thing down. Because pastoring is a constant reminder that all we can do is offer what we have and who we are our gifts, our hopes, our ideas, our body, minds, and souls, and just trust that God will use that and bless that. I think that's, that's the secret for me, not having it all together, not having it down cold, but trust enough in God and the people of God to offer up what we have, even when and especially when it doesn't feel like enough. That, w- that is what great faith, the faith of Elisha, of the little boy in our gospel, are made of. I'm sure you know that feeling too. Often, you know, we, we wait and we wait. We ex- exhaust all of our other options. We exhaust our strengths. And then we come to this vulnerable moment when whatever we have to offer, or we ourselves feel so woefully insufficient to the task. And somehow, by God's grace, it becomes enough. Enough to feed and enough to bless, or enough to comfort and enough to serve, enough to praise. I'll tell you, my dad is pretty inspiring. Um, Back in 2008, seven years ago, he had a very serious stroke. um, And he battled back from that thing like you wouldn't believe. All the while, having this positive attitude, even when he couldn't walk, uh, even when he couldn't remember basic facts about his own name. Um, and so by comparison, this more recent stroke seems really small. Um, but he has met these challenges with such positivity and with such perseverance. Um, and in a, in a time of life, at 63, when he had his first stroke, he had to retire early and leave work, which he really enjoyed doing. They were planning to move, but they couldn't move then. Uh, and so his world all of a sudden became much smaller um, and I put myself in that position and think I would be so down in the dumps, feeling all of the, the years and the time and experiences I had lost. And yet, he perseveres and is so positive and keeps his good humor. Um, and that offering, as, uh, as limited as it is, is a, such an inspiration uh, to his family and to his friends. You know, I'm remind, I've been reminded by our guest preachers this summer how something so small can go such a long way. You know, and Schaefer, in her unforgettable soft pretzel children's sermon, reminded us that like a mustard seed, a little faith is all we need. Pat Davenport showed us that a little truth can change us and change the world. And last week, Karen Wiseman said that a little rest can make all the difference for our souls. They reminded us that God takes seemingly small and insignificant things and people, and turns them into more than we could ask or imagine. And, and, and so often in worship, it is the small things that touch us. Uh, a look from someone, a phrase of a song, a line from a prayer, or a sharing at sharing time, a laugh or a hug. Generally, at worship, I find it's not the big things that I expect but it's the small things that touch us deep inside and stay with us through the week. And somehow at communion, God takes this small bite of bread and this small dip of wine or juice and gives us all the forgiveness, grace, and healing that we could ever want or need. So much so that there are leftovers that spill out from this table into us and into the world. Our readings this morning's, and I think our lives show us that our God specializes in taking the seemingly small and inadequate and making it, in fact, more than enough. More than enough. For with God, there is always grace enough for leftovers. Amen.